0: Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Dylan, and we're kicking off a new series called I Live For This. This week, Jay Gray speaks to us about some true stories of people who have been persecuted for their faith and what we can learn from the way that they lived their lives boldly and fearlessly for Christ. Our prayer is that you would be encouraged and strengthened in your relationship with God. We hope you enjoy week one of I Live For This. we're talking about people that were killed for their faith, we're talking about persecution. Did you know that in this last year, in 2018, it was estimated that about 90,000 Christian people died for their faith? And they say about almost a quarter of a billion people are being persecuted, Uh, 215 million people are in uh, in places that would be considered extreme persecution. Now, what I'm not saying is like, if somebody says, oh, you're a Christian, <laughs> and, and they do that, that's not, that. like, you don't classify as a part of that 215 million, all right? Just so you know, that's not actually what we're talking about, but we're going to be looking at these stories of these people that I really think over these next couple weeks are going to challenge you, uh, and one of the reasons I think that is because uh, they've actually challenged, I mean, they've absolutely challenged me Rocked my world. And, and I've heard a lot of these stories in the past, but sometimes when you get into the details of the stories as opposed to just general stories of knowing that it happens, it kind of changes things. So that's been my prayer uh, for this series. That's my prayer for today. Uh, there's a book that was written uh, in around 2000, in the end of 99 to 2000. And it was a book called Jesus Freaks. There was a song that was uh, written called Jesus Freaks. And, and the guys who wrote that song wrote this book. And, and it came uh, really from, uh, pulled some stories from some other books. There's another book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. And then there's these other organizations and stuff that they talk about martyrs. They talk about persecution. And, uh, and so here's what I want to read. I want to read this real quick to you. A uh, note that somebody wrote. It's a group called Voice of the Martyrs. And if you go to voiceofthemartyrs.com or vom.com, you can see some of these stories and you can see all around the world some of these things that are happening. And this guy uh, who was the president wrote this. He said, these are the stories of those who would not compromise or apologize for their faith in Jesus Christ, even if it meant going to prison, being tortured or facing death. These are the people who are changing our world by refusing to lay aside their relationship with Jesus for the mere sake of being accepted by the crowd. Such freaks, quote unquote, are the visionaries of our day. And this is still true today, by the way. He says, these are dangerous stories. They could change your heart. These stories bring you into what the Apostle uh, Apostle Paul called the fellowship of his sufferings, which is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, these are the people who've been touched and challenged by stories of people who are willing to give up everything for Jesus, and their hearts have never been the same. That book in this series is dedicated to those who refused to deny their faith, no matter what it cost them. And it's all about honoring them. It's all about looking back at the lives of those people in Scripture and those people that are still having and dealing with that today and honoring them and hopefully... Saying, God, will you use that to challenge me, to encourage me? Because here in America, we don't really have a very good view of persecution. We don't have a very good understanding uh, of what it means to be a martyr because we don't face that every day. But we're going to talk at the end about why we say it's called, I live for this. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's a couple of you guys who have your phones out. I'm going to ask you to take them out and put them away, whatever you need to do. Just put them away so you're not distracted by that for a little bit. I'm, I'm pulling mine out of my pocket so I'm not distracting. Put it on silent, not on vibrate because that's still going to distract you. And all that. All right. Acts chapter 7. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, but it's also going to be on the screen. It's It's the story of the very first martyr for the Christian faith to the people that follow Jesus. It's a man named, anybody know the very first martyr? Evan got it right back here. What'd you say? Stephen. That's exactly right. A man named Stephen. Now Stephen was this guy who, who had followed Jesus, he had walked with Jesus, he had been following Jesus and I'm not going to read the whole thing so I've got to give you a little bit of backstory. So here's what's happening. The church is expanding. Jesus had had been crucified. This is uh, about 2,000 years ago that this happened. So this is a historical story, not just like a made-up story. All these things are actually things that happened that we're talking about today, by the way. Um, So this man named Stephen about 2,000 years ago had been following Jesus. Jesus had died. He watched him die. And then all the disciples, the people that had followed Jesus, were in hiding. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes back to life. A real man died a real death on a real cross and really came back to life. And here's the thing. You see all these people that were in hiding because they were afraid. All of a sudden, they see Jesus alive, and it changes everything. It radically changes their world. And all of a sudden, they have all this confidence and this boldness that before they were hiding, and now all of a sudden, because they've seen Jesus alive again, hundreds and hundreds of people saw him alive again after they watched him die. Now all of a sudden, they're telling people about Jesus. So this is right after Jesus had had rose from the dead and he had ascended back into heaven. And here's what happens. Stephen is talking, and and as he's talking, there's a bunch of people, religious leaders and all these other people that gather around. They say, we don't like the things he's saying. And so they put him on trial, they bring him in, and they put him on trial, and he starts telling them all these things, and by the way, some of you guys are reading the, the Bible with us, so you saw those big circles on the floor right outside the door. We're going through the entire Bible this year as a church from sixth grade on up. We're going through the entire Bible this year in 52 weeks taking a journey. Some of you guys have already started that journey. Hopefully, if you haven't, you'll join in after today and join that journey and know what's going on. But here's what happens. If you read in in Acts chapter 6 and in Acts chapter 7, what happens is Stephen begins to unfold the story of the Bible. So he starts talking about Abraham. For those of you guys who've been reading lately, you knew that we just talked about Abraham this last week. And then he starts talking about Joseph, and he's walking him through this journey Of Scripture, He starts talking about Joseph, then he talks about Moses, and he talks about the prophets, the people in history who had said, Jesus is coming, this person is coming, this Messiah is coming, this person who's going to save, everybody is coming. And here's what happened. Back in those days, all those people kept turning against all the prophets of God, and they would actually kill him. And he basically tells all these people, he says, you're just like them. And one of the terms that I love that he used, um, he said, you stiff-necked people. He said, You're doing exactly the same thing that all of your ancestors did. The people that are telling you about the one who will save you is the one that you're killing. You're killing those people. And so he says this to people. And you can imagine, if they say that to you, if somebody says that to you, you're probably not going to like it either, right? And so what did they do? They drag him out into the street. To stone him. And here's where we pick up. Here's what it says. It says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation when he said, you're the ones, just like your ancestors, that are stiff-necked, and you're killing the same people. It says, they shook their fists at him in rage. Anybody ever been so frustrated that it, like, it literally just made you go, like you do this? Anybody ever been there? No, just me? I'm the only, ra- okay. I'm the only one that's had rage. Okay. Um, it says, they shook their fists at him in rage. And it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and how Jesus was standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. By the way, go back and look. The, the idea that Jesus was standing is such a big deal, but we can't really get into that tonight. Uh, but you can go back and look at it and study it sometime. Says he, he says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of, the, of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting and they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And then listen to this, it says, his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed and said, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. This is the very first martyr of the Christian faith. A man named Stephen. Right after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back into heaven, this man, this young man, by the way, named Stephen. Some people say he might have been around some of your age. Not like you youngest ones, but some of you older ones, maybe even a teenager. Who had gone in at this point and had been talking to these people, and been sharing Christ with people. They didn't like it, and so then he started talking to them. He said, you're the ones that are trying to kill the people, that are trying to give the information that people need to be saved. And here's what's happening. And he says, you're the stiff-necked people. They drag him out and they start stoning him. And all the people that are stoning him take off their, take off their coats and their robes. And they lay them at the feet of a man named what? Saul. Who is Saul? A bad person person is what I heard. He wrote about half of the New Testament. His his name later became, his name was changed. When he encountered Christ personally, his name was changed, and now you know him as Paul. Very good. Right? Right? So here's the thing. What I want to tell you is as this was going on, this man Stephen continued to hold fast to the faith and they stoned him for it. They killed him. And I don't know if you think about different ways to die. Stoning doesn't, doesn't seem like one that, that would be anywhere near like where I'd be okay with, right? He's getting stoned. People are throwing rocks at him. And he continues to say all these things, and he's talking to them, and he says, I see heavens open up. And then he says this. He says, God, and he says, Father, don't hold this against them. He says, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And I want to tell you something. The reason I bring up the part about Saul in the very first, uh, in the very first martyr story in, in all of history of the Christian faith, here's what happened. This man named Saul, do you know what his job was? He was actually sent to the city to shut these people up. He was sent to the city to shut up Christian people, the people who were claiming to follow Jesus, the people who were claiming they were they were the way, they were a part of the way. The, the Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they said, we are people of the way. We are people of Jesus, the, ones who, the one who gives us the way to be connected to the Father. They said, we, get, we are going to follow him. And Saul was told, you need to go there and you need to shut those people up. So part of the reason that they're laying their coats at his feet is that he was probably the one that was giving approval. They probably would have even picked up stones and looked at Saul until Saul said, go. And, he was, the, and they, he was the one that was given the directions to kill these people, these Christians, and he continued to do it, by the way, until just a couple chapters later we see that he encounters Jesus on his own. That Jesus comes to him and he encounters Jesus and it changes him radically. Here's what I want you to know. In a lot of these stories that I've been studying and reading and looking at, what continually happens over and over again is that the people who are the accusers, the people that are dragging people to jail, the people that are most uh, against these Christian people, even today, that they're the ones that are most impacted by these Christians. And I tell you that for a reason, and I'm going to get to that here in just a second. But Saul was there. I want to tell you a few other stories. We're going to watch a short video and then we'll be done. One of the stories is about a 16. They say she's either 16 or 17 years old. By the way, some of the names uh, in all these stories are changed because there's still some families that are affected and stuff like that. If you don't read about these things, you may not know that. There's a 16 or 17-year-old girl. This is a story that happened in Asia, a teenager like you guys. She was in a Bible study at an underground church. And these officers walked in with guns and started screaming and shouting. They started insulting all the people for being Christians. They looked at the pastor, and they started threatening to kill them, by the way. They looked at the pastor, and they said, give me, one of the guys, the head officer, said, give me your Bible. And the pastor reluctantly handed it over. Handed it over to to the guy, and the guy threw it on the ground. He says, this is a book of lies. And he told the people, he says, if you don't come and spit, on this book of lies, then we will kill you. But if you come and spit on it, we'll let you go. And he pointed his gun at one man. He says, you're going to go first. The man stood up, knelt down next to the Bible, spit on it, and said, Father, please forgive me. And they let him go. The next one was a lady. They said, you're next. The lady came over and As much as she hated the idea of it, she spit just enough, said, I'm so sorry, and they let her go, and she walked out the door, and they pointed a gun at a young girl, a 16 or 17 year old girl. She walked over, picked up the Bible, wiped it off with her dress, and here's what she said. She said, what have they done to your word? Please forgive them. And the officer pointed his gun at her head and pulled the trigger. 16 or 17-year-old girl who valued just the Word of God that much. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, started, I started looking at that, and I was, I was looking at that story and kind of reading it and, and going, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I've had a Bible sitting next to me, and I haven't even valued it enough to pick it up for a long time. This girl knew she was about to get killed and she said I don't care, I value the word of God and she said she said to God as a prayer to God, what have they done to your word? Please forgive them. And it cost her her life. It's a true story in Asia. Here's another story. And we have a picture of this, this other girl. Her name is Juliet. She's a Fifteen-year-old girl, uh, and she lives in Nigeria. This is currently a a person, like right now, she lives right now. And she was orphaned because her parents are, her family is Christian. She's a Christian, and her parents were killed by Fulani militants. These people who who were kind of Muslim radicals that were going around in different parts of Africa. And raiding a lot of Christian towns, Christian villages, Christian churches, and killing these people. And she's orphaned a 15-year-old girl because of her faith. Her parents were killed because of their faith. And then we have the next picture is a a boy named Abednego Solomon. And these are true, these are actually real names right now because um, they've already been attacked. But when he was 10 years old, that same group or another part of that same group came in and attacked his village. And that's what they did to him when he was 10 years old, because he's a Christian. That's what they did to him. That's what's happening in parts of the world. That's what's happening in Africa. Then there's a picture in China, actually, of a church that was destroyed. This is a Christian church that was destroyed just for being a Christian church. And some of you guys may not know some of the things that are happening there. The next picture is a church called Early Rain Covenant Church. This is is actually um, an interesting church. It's uh, it's one of those, I don't know if you know this, but in China you have to register your church. You have to register your church, and so that's why there, and if you do, then you're, you're going to be filtered and monitored and all that kind of stuff uh, by the government. And There's certain things you can't say, there's certain things you have to say, and so what a lot of Christian churches do, what a lot of Christian people do, is they go what's, to what's called the underground church, where they meet in homes, and they meet without without kind of this formal location and all that kind of stuff, because they don't want to be filtered they just want to be able to tell the gospel they want to say the truth of God's word without somebody looking over their shoulder and asking them questions and telling them what they have to say and so they do they are a part of what's called the underground church now this is one of the unique churches uh, in China because they have not registered, so it is an illegal church, but they are functioning above ground, so they have a building they publicized. They have people that go out, and you can actually go look at it, and they have people that go out, and they're sharing the gospel, and they're taking tracts to people, and stuff like that, which is all entirely illegal in China, and it's in a city called Chengdu. Anybody heard of that city before? Anybody here when our Chinese students come here? You want to know where they're from? Chengdu, China. So this church is in the city that all of our friends that come from China, they come from this city. This is in their church, or this, this church is in their city. And a month ago today, one month ago today, on, on December 9th, the police raided this church. And over the last month, they have arrested nearly 200 of the people in this church for being a part of this church. The pastor and his wife have been arrested. They still haven't been released. They've arrested different people. They've arrested men, women, children, teenagers. There are people and families that are broken up. There are people who don't know where their family is. The son of the pastor and his wife got to see his parents for the first time, like just within the last week, I think. Got to see them and spend a couple of minutes with them. So good news is that means they're probably still alive. But they were arrested and they're put in prison right now just because they're Christians going to church. What it would be like is if you're sitting in here and people walk in the room and they say, we're going to arrest you just because you showed up here. That's exactly what happened. This girl that, that was killed for picking up the Bible was just at a Bible study at somebody's house. That's all it was. There was a Bible study at somebody's house. And this, again, these aren't stories. this This is what's happened in the last month. And by the way, what the government did is they made that this building is now the office of some of the officers that came in to be a part of this stuff. Like they have this whole group of people that are trying to kind of shut everything down when it comes to Christianity. And so what they said is they said this building is now the office of some of those people. And it's like all these different lower levels. And it's like one of the lower, really low levels of officers in that area. That's what that building is now. So these people are meeting outside. You can go look at it. You can go see pictures online. There's stories of all the things that are happening. But here's what's amazing about the stories. The stories of all these people are that we're going to prison and we're getting to tell people about Jesus. We're getting to tell these people about Jesus. It's amazing what's happening. And they, you, they literally are coming out and they're saying, we count it. So we are so joyful that God would allow us to be a part of the suffering of Jesus it's an amazing thought because none of us in the room probably would be like, you know what, I really hope I get, I get uh, arrested for being here at church. That would be amazing. But they're saying it's so amazing what God is doing, because we're getting to speak to people that nobody else gets to speak to. We're going to prison, and we're sitting next to criminals, and they ask why we're in there, and we say we're in here because we believe in Jesus. And they're like, well, tell me about Jesus. And they tell them about Jesus, and these people are coming to know Jesus in prison because the people who knew Jesus are now going to prison. Our goal with these stories uh, this week and for the next couple of weeks is going to be that we would learn by the stories of these martyrs, we'd be encouraged by the heroism, by their heroic lives, and that it would kind of shake us up in a way that says, you know what, I want to make my life count. That you'd walk out of here and say, I want to make my life count. I don't want to waste my life. One of the things that keeps standing out to me as I, as I go through this is a phrase that I read and it said, you, and this is talking to people like you and me, you may never have to choose whether you're willing to die for your faith. But every single day, you choose whether you want to live for it. Every day. That's why this series is called I Live For This. Because while other people may be dying for their faith, we want to have a faith that we're willing to live for. That's the challenge today. Because for so many of us, we have a hard time living it out because we're too worried about what other people think, what other people do, or too, too caught up with things that just don't really even matter. All of us do it, by the way. I'm not pointing fingers out off this stage. I'm pointing fingers at all of us. All of us do it at times, okay? So this is, there's no finger pointing here. But here's what happens. There's people in the world that are trying to tell people about Jesus, knowing that it's going to get them killed. But for us, for some reason, if we, you know, we're having a hard time even saying, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, you won't come to church with me? And like, we're like, I'm never going to ask them again. They said, no, I don't, I don't know what to do. And we feel like, we're, like it, it scares us, but every single day we have a choice to live for the faith we have in Jesus Christ for a specific reason, because we know that He's the Savior of the world, and He's totally worth it. No matter what it costs, I'm going to follow Him. No matter what it costs me, I'm going to follow Him, because that's the only way my life is going to count.